TLT Hoffman. Thanks for being here. Last time I saw you, you were an officer cadet. So congrats on the promotion. Um, Thank you. Hoffman is a logistic officer with the Lawrence Scotts Regiment and the reserves. And she's just going to walk us through kind of her experience in the Canadian military. For the audience, like don't generalize this necessarily to every single person in the military, right? It's just her personal experience that she's going to talk about today. Yeah, Hoffman, do you want to tell us a bit about your background, how you got involved with the military? Sure. Um, okay, so my story starts back in 2007, which is like to me only a few years ago, but for <laughs> a lot of people, they may not have been alive yet. Oh my God, so old. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that actually. My age has kind of been like a fun thing as well. But um, yeah, I was 17 in 2007 and I was really, I was in Air Cadets um, all throughout my teen years. And I ended up uh, just being really into the army though. Like I loved, I loved everything to do with aviation, but I didn't want to do it in the military. Like I, I thought fighter jets and stuff were cool, but like my vision was not the, the best. So I was like, well, if I can't fly jets, I don't want to really do anything else. So I was like really obsessed with history. And it was just like all the stories of like soldiers in World War II. And so everything was just so inspiring to me. And like, I really felt like I was a part of the army mentally. So um, that was how I ended up kind of gravitating towards the army. And uh, I grew up in Ottawa, which had like a pretty solid... I mean, it's the capital. They've got all these units there, um, like headquarters is there. So I also grew up with people taking the bus with me to work and they were all in uniform. Like it was just very common to see people in the military in Ottawa. So um, I just realized my Ottawa thing is fine. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so like I had a lot of exposure to the military and like a lot of my friends, their parents were in the military. So to me, it was just very, it seemed very accessible and um, like it didn't seem weird that I wanted to join. So I, uh, yeah, when I was like, as soon as I was able to basically put in my application, I did, like, I was like really obsessed with like turning yeah. 16 and being able to do it. <laughs> I ended up at 17 going in. Uh, and there was a unit in Ottawa that was uh, intelligence platoon. And just because I had a security clearance from uh, my civilian job in national defense, I, I was a summer student and I ended up with like a high enough level that it kind of helped me with my application into intelligence. So um, I don't know, I guess I interviewed well or something, but, uh, I ended up in the intelligence unit and that was really cool. Cause even before I started basic training, we would go in on Wednesday nights and we would just learn kind of things that the Canadian military was, was doing. Um, I mean, it was like, I wasn't privy to any sort of like actual information, but just like good high level sort of stuff. And, um, we were in Afghanistan at the time. So for us, it was really like real because it was like oh yeah these guys from our unit are experiencing this right now in Afghanistan and like this is what we do and this is what we see and these are the people we meet and these are the things you need to know and it was like very uh, pertinent to everything so it really motivated me to to do a good job because I'm like this isn't hypothetical like we're not pretending the enemy is out there like we actually had real enemy and we had actual casualties and decisions we made affected real Canadian soldiers so that was really kind of like a cool time to be in. Um, and then I ended up starting my basic training. I joined in the October and then in February, it was like my 18th birthday and I was on basic training, like Winter. small aside, my 18th birthday and my 30th birthday, I both spent on basic trainings. <laughs> so, wow. Um, yeah. Cool. In the winter <laughs> like, too, eh? In the winter. Yeah. Winter. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> so Ottawa in the winter sucks. So I remember just yeah. standing there freezing cold like I remember we get up at like you know 
four or five, whatever time we're getting up at, we're standing out there and it's like in Ottawa, it's really bad for like just snow packed on ice, packed on snow, packed on ice. And back in those days, we only had these boots called um, Mark threes, which are like, they were all standard issue. Like everybody had the same boot. You couldn't go get your Loas or whatever. Like it was all the same boot and they were terrible on ice and snow. So we'd be all marching and everyone's falling and oh my God, it was miserable. And um, yeah, it was, it was not a good time, but it was a good time, but not a good time. (laughs) Yeah, we, uh, but we ended up, um, yeah, going through some training and then that spring, I got kind of further in the process of my civilian job that I'm doing now, which is air traffic control. And right, so you were, I kind sorry. of, yeah. Were you, so you were reserves in the intelligence. Yeah. And then yeah. Sorry. I should have clarified. Aviation. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So I was still in high school at the time I was 17. So right. for me, I didn't know, like this was brand new to me and this will maybe help viewers, but I had no idea there was co-op. Like hmm. I, uh, I don't know. Apparently it was around back then. I never heard of it. And I was really surprised I hadn't, but maybe my school just wasn't all that like involved or I don't know. Nobody ever brought up co-op to me. So like, <laughs> I did this all on my own and I wish I could have done co-op, but uh, yeah, I was still in high school. So I ended up um, just like, I knew that I wanted to finish my training, but I also knew that like, if I finish uh, back then they didn't do what's it now. BMQL, which is BMQ land. It's like a two week course that would kind of bridge people. And I think even they've just gotten rid of that. You'll have to like fact check that, but I think they got rid of BMQ land for support trades. So, um, but back then everyone in the military, you all did your basic training and then you did a soldier qualification, which was like a whole summer again. Like it was a very long course. Uh, and then you do your trade training and intelligence trade training is like years. So for me, I kind of knew that I wasn't really going to pursue the military. Like I had, I was going to go with my civilian option. So uh, I ended up releasing midway through basic and throughout my twenties, I really felt like I was missing something. Um, and whenever people talked about the military, it was like, I had this connection, but I didn't really want to talk about it. Cause I'm like, well, I did it, but I didn't do it. Like I, I only got through a couple of weekends on basic and mm-hmm. like, I, yeah, like I hadn't, uh, I don't know. I felt like I hadn't done anything. I mean, some people have the idea that like, oh, if you put your hand up, you've served. But like, for me, I yeah. just, I felt so like, I, oh, I, I, I could have <laughs> done, I could have done more. Like I didn't even get to do my job or anything. So, um, so anyway, I just kind of like had that sitting with me, but I'm like, there's no way I can go back. Like I have this full-time civilian job. And like, I was going through training with that. And it was just like, there's no way this is going to be a possibility for me. Um, but I kept like the fire alive. Like even when I was doing other things, I would do like workout plans that were geared for the military. Like I was always doing like functional Uh fitness and like, I was kind of like getting in this, like, there's this trainer called Stu Smith. He does like Navy SEAL workouts. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like going to be a Navy SEAL, even though I'm like <laughs> a 28 year old air traffic controller in Toronto. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be like yeah. a Navy SEAL. I'm going to get it. Awesome. So like, for me, it was always there. Like, even if I didn't know how I would be in the military again, or if I ever would, it was like, mm-hmm. it was still driving the things I was doing. So, um, yeah, like I went through some pretty major life changes around 28, 29. Um, and it kind of made me sit back and be like, okay, what do I want to do with my life? And like, what will genuinely make me happy? Cause I think people tend to get caught up in this world of like, well, I should be doing this and I should be doing that. And like, 
we're all going through this system. Um, and my world just kind of exploded. And it, like, I kind of realized, hey, like, it doesn't matter what order I do life in. It doesn't matter what I, I decided to do as long as it really makes me happy and it's fulfilling for me. And uh, I, yeah, I kind of sat with it for a little bit and realized that I really wanted to go back to the military. And on top of that, um, like throughout my ATC training, I also completed my university degree, um, like on the side. So I was able to apply as an officer and I'm like, I wasn't really sure if I was ready to be a leader, but, um, just throughout, like my civilian job actually requires a lot of leadership skills. Cause you're just always telling people what to do and where to go. So, uh, I kind of sat with that decision as well. And I was like, no, like I really want to be able to inspire people and I want to be able to, to lead. So, um, yeah, that led me down the officer path. And in 2019, in November, I got sworn in to the Lauren Scotts. That's a whole sort of other story too. I was, I, I ended up, I really wanted to be an infantry officer at one point in my life, but my vision isn't the greatest. So that kind of ruled me out. And um, I was also pretty aware, like logistics officers, like I'm going to give like a little shout out to logistics here because people are kind of like, oh, logistics, like boring office work. But um log is all sorts of cool stuff like you do transport so convoys uh you do supply like you're doing all the ammunition like there's a job called ammunition technical officer where you go out and you run ranges and like you inspect cool. grenades and you deal with yeah like all sorts of stuff like that um lots of firepower and it's actually like probably the most deployable trade because no matter where you go you need a logistics officer you may not need infantry officers but you always need people to run the show. So, um, mm -hmm. for me wanting to possibly deploy and also just gain transferable skills, which is kind of tough in air traffic control as cool of a job as it is. It's not the most transferable to anything else. So, yeah. um, yeah, doing like supply chain kind of stuff and just, uh, you know, I'm working for the federal government. So there's a lot of cool things to do within the federal government if I wanted to one day. So like, this was all kind of part of the plan and, um, yeah, I, I, so logistics officers can be in any unit and I was, because I still had that like infantry side of me that was like, oh, I'm going to kick ass. I'm going to like, whatever, yeah. but I couldn't necessarily be an officer. Cool. Uh, I just, yeah, I just decided to be like the, I, my, my course mates on one of my courses called it, uh, what do we call it? We're combat logistics officers or, or yeah, like tactical logistics. We've been a name for it, but we're basically like, yeah, like these kind of rear echelon people, but we're like, no, like in our hearts, we're like right up there in the firefight. <laughs> so if I'm going to be log, I'm going to do it in an infantry unit where I can like just be up there and kind of be a chameleon with all the infantiers. And uh, it helps me also learn the stuff that they get to learn while doing my job. And uh, yeah, so that's why I ended up in Lawrence Scott's. And I also, one of my coworkers uh, at my company for air traffic control, he also helped kind of inspire me to, to join not just my unit, but like the military, because he was a, a company sergeant major. So a CSM, he was wow. a master warrant officer. Yeah. And <laughs> so to see him with a family doing it part-time and still making both careers work, it really was like, okay, I can do this. Like this guy yeah. has way more responsibility than I do and yeah. he's doing it. So, so yeah, 2019, I, I joined uh, a week later, I was on basic training. Should I like get into this or are these going to be like more questions <laughs> coming up? Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you my maybe, own story. 
I'll just jump in a little bit here. Um, I okay, sure, yeah. For a similar story or path to you. Like, I remember being 12 years old and I counted the number of push ups I would do by 16 if I did like 20 a day. Because I would watch yeah. those like BMOQ or BMQ videos that they had around like yeah. the 2007, 2012 era. And then I would get yeah. like hyped up, like, I gotta be good at push ups. So I calculated how many push ups I had to do to get like fit yeah. and all these things. And um, I was in cadets for like a year or so, but I was playing hockey. So I ended up leaving that, but I was in one, two, one Red Arrow Squadron in Guelph, shout out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I joined university as well. And then, you know, I was like, the, the military was still in my mind too. This is very interesting. Yeah. You know, like they're elite humans. Like they're elite human yeah. beings. It's your job to be like a tactical athlete, which I think is like really cool. Cause if you think about it, it's like, yeah, like you have to maintain this level of fitness and like mental and physical fitness for your job which is actually just super cool because a lot of jobs don't have that yeah for sure and I think one thing that struck me um so I joined when I was still doing my degree so I was doing weekend BMLQ and eventually we met in the resumption of that course after the COVID break yep I think what really struck me the most at that time was that you have to be in great physical shape but when your demands on your body get really high you still have to function mentally and do your job really really well because when you're under stress and you're fatigued and you're on three hours of sleep you still have to do all of your drills perfectly right yeah so is there anything from basic training that kind of stuck out to you as maybe like an experience or something crazy that Mm. happened I don't know. I love my BMQ, my BMQ. So you did BMOQ. I ended up on a BMQ. So I was the only officer on a course of like, I think it was like 50 NCMs. Uh, And that was such an awesome experience because for me as an officer, um, it was also run by my unit. So because my, um, my dog, (laughs) my, (laughs) my, um, my unit, like I said, they're all infantry. So because they were all infantry NCMs, to have me as a, as an officer that's potentially leading them in some capacity one day, it, I felt like I had a little bit more, like, there wasn't really any more expectations on me, but I knew they were kind of watching me because they're like, well, okay, yeah. who's this new officer? Like, let's see her. And so for me, it was just performing to the best of my abilities. And, um, I really physically prepared for that course. So I know there was like a day that we were doing buddy drags out, out the back. And it was like, again, winter, mine just whatever, like freezing. And, um, I got paired with this guy that was like 200 pounds and I wow. ended up like dragging him. And he was like, Hoffman, Hoffman, I'll, I'll help you here, man. Like, I'll just, I'll, I'll kick. And I'm like, no, I got you. I got you. And I pulled him Aww. and he was, he's the best. He's still in our unit. Shout out Dolly while I love him. But <laughs> he got up and he was like, yo guys, Hoffman, she actually dragged me. Can you believe it? She and it was like one of those moments. Cause That's for awesome. me, yeah, for sure my unit like we're very diverse and uh like all backgrounds all nationalities all religion like everything and at all ages and so like we were from I think like 16 I think there was a 16 year old in our course to like 50 and we just had like such a great time because you're working towards this common goal like at the end of the day you're all wearing green and we're all like how do we do these drills? We need to work on our weapons drills or we're like, we're cleaning or whatever. There's just always something that you're working on together and you're just chatting. And, um, I was one of the older ones on my course. So I ended up being like the course mom and (laughs) all the younger guys were coming to me and they were asking me like relationship advice, which I'm terrible for, but like, (laughs) you know, just all these kind of like life stories and stuff. And it was just so cool to bond with, with them and like meet people that I wouldn't have normally met. Like 
in my, my normal life. Cause like in air traffic control, it's just like, again, a different group. And like, I only work in a tower with 16 people. So like, I don't come into contact with a lot of other people. So it was just such a great place to meet new people and new experiences. And they taught me like all these, all this slang fam. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a, super like my experience too. Like when people ask, you know, what's the best thing about being in the reserves, it's actually meeting all the different people. Because for me, when I, yeah. I was 19 and I never had experience really talking or working with like 30 year olds, there's a 49 year old, then some 18 year olds yeah. and all working together on common things with all these different personality types. The BMOQ yeah. that I was on too, it was very diverse. There was like lots of different people from, you know, race, age. We mm. had a lot of women as well, like a pretty solid amount of women. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was really cool because, you know, you'd have conversations at lunch and stuff. And I was in civil engineering at the time. And there was a guy mm. on our course who was 49 and he built the Miami like highway system. Like he, oh, he's been okay. a civil engineer. Like he had a whole career outside of this. So it's really inspiring yeah. to kind of meet with those people and have that bond and then also learn yeah. things that you transfer back into civilian life too can you lay out how your training went when you joined in 2019 so like you did sure. basic then mod two and then what yeah so i did basic um my basic got paused because i our basic was i think it was 12 weekends and it was basically every other weekend some were back to back it just depended on i think scheduling for everybody but it was our, our, we did our range weekend, which is our second last weekend before our field X and then COVID hit and everything mm -hmm. got shut down. So we were, we were kind of in limbo. So my course started in November, but we didn't end until July, which is when we did our final field X. So it was kind of like a long, a long, uh, BMQ, but then, yeah, we did our BMOQ together. That was my mod too. So everyone who was on my BMQ, because I, again, mine was NCM and I just happened to be an officer on it. But they all went on their trade training, their DP1s, and I ended up going on my mod too. And that's where we learn about orders and, and kind of getting like a little bit of an introduction to some staff work. Um, and that was, that was good. It was quick. It was hot. It was a really hot week. I remember I was sitting in front of the giant fan. That was, that yeah, was the fan club. The, the, fan club. the fan club. And then, yeah. you know, like sometimes you're allowed to take off our tunics. I remember yeah. it was so hot and everyone was just drenched in sweat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's all I remember from that course was just like, it was the hottest I'd been continuously for like a week straight. And then uh, I ended up working my unit. So it, like we can talk about that afterwards, but I've worked in my unit uh, as a, uh, an operations officer for the rifle companies, which was amazing because I got to work really close with the infantry guys. So kind of living my dream of being an infantry officer, but still doing yeah. like log stuff on the side. So that was yeah. kind of fun. Uh, and then I found out that there was BMOCA or BMOQA. It's a long course. It's kind of notorious in, it's weird. When I was on my BMQ, we had an officer come in to talk to us. He was a logistics officer. And I think he was doing a presentation on like, I don't know, tactical breathing. There was like something, one of the, the mandatory presentations we do. And he was like, you guys are going to use this. You're going to use it because you got this course. It's the hardest thing you'll do. And, you know, he's like talking about it. Like his eyes are like just staring off and he's like, the water <laughs> was so cold that day. Like it was just and then he kind of like came to you and he was like, oh, you're NCMs. Never mind. You don't have to do this course. Don't worry about it. And then he looked at me and he said, except you, you need to do this course. So I'm like, what is this course? Like I'd heard all about this course. It's known as, yeah, BMOQA, BMACA, CAP is like the old term for it, which was the common army phase. Um, 
sometimes it's called phase two, I think. Um, there's all these different names for it. It's been all these different things over the years, but it's the big course uh, that they run. And it's where you do, it's the equivalent, if anyone's familiar with the NCM career, career progression, it's like doing a PLQ and a bit of uh, RSCC and advanced small arms all in one course. So it qualifies you as an infantry section commander. Um, it's run by the infantry school. So it is, even though it's for all army officers, it's, you're still, you're still part of the infantry in a way up to that course. Uh, because I, like at the end of the day, even as a logistics officer, like if I'm in a convoy and we come under attack, I may have to run a section attack or I will have to do a defensive or there'll be like, I need to be trained on a C7, a C9, throw grenades, like the pistol is the other one. So those are all the things we do in that course. And it's, it's to teach leadership. And like you were talking about, it's doing things in very, very difficult conditions and still being able to think. Mm-hmm. Um, myself and a bunch of people from actually our course, which was really yeah. awesome to see some familiar faces. We ended up on a course uh, out in Gagetown in April. It's Well, sorry, our quarantine started in April last year and the course itself started in May. It was actually kind of the best thing to happen to me last year because everyone I know had a really hard 2020. So <laughs> for us yeah. to... It was like really exciting because you go in quarantine, but you're in quarantine in these barracks in Gagetown. And they were actually not bad. Like everyone had their own private room and it was like a little sort of dorm hotel room. And you know, you're just, you're like mentally getting in the game. Like now you're watching and you're seeing all these other courses and people out running and you're like, yeah, like I'm going to get some, it's going to be good. (laughs) So you get like two weeks to get like psyched up for you. You're not just thrown into it. Cause I found that really challenging on, on basic training weekends was like, coming out of work mode, like civilian work mode and going into army mode and then coming out of army mode, go back to civilian mode, right? Like it's so tough. So I think having a little bit of like a phase where you just get ready for your course. And then uh, we got into it right away. We were doing, we did all like sort of our C7 review and things like that. And then we started doing battle procedure, which is what oh, we kind of yeah. got introduced to on mod two. So yeah. writing orders. Uh, and we did an evaluation on that. And then our first field week. So there was three field weeks that we had, um, anywhere between five and 10 days. And the field is what gets you engaged. Like everything else you can kind of live with, but the field is crazy. So the first, uh, field week for us was a nav week. And that was, I was kind of more like some people think nav week is the hardest week. I think it was, uh, I think it was the most fun, but like also really, really challenging. So Leading up to nav week, you're doing a lot of map and compass work, and you're also working on, um, it's called a dagger, but it's the, like a big GPS unit the military uses. And nav week basically involves, you're with your section, so everybody has, we had four sections on our course, and I was four section, four section, best section, but (laughs) we were amazing. We were, like, quick aside, speaking about ages, we were all old, like old AF, and it was amazing (laughs) because, like, we were just all so slow, but our instructors were also old. So they were like, we get it, guys. We get it. We're like, oh, thank yeah. God. Like, we were just, I think I was like, I was 31 on course and I was maybe the second youngest in my section, maybe the third youngest. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were all like kind of older. So older people are, t- I can talk about that afterwards, but like wanting to go into the military, like, oh, you're in good company. There's lots of us out there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So we were, 
our section, we, we got split up between our section commander and the two IC and we were going through the woods. And the, the crazy thing, this is what blew my mind at first. And this is where I think like people have these, these little mental hurdles that you get through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll kind of come back to this because like at the end of the course, there's basically nothing in my mind now that I think I can't do because Jeez. I've done like something weirder. Like I've done something crazy. So like with map and compass, you get your point and you plot it and you're like, okay, I gotta go here. And normal people look for a path. They look for that kind of thing. And we were just like walking through these woods and there's like a tree in front of you. They're like, okay, well walk around the tree, but keep walking. And I'm like, these do like these giant shrubs. There's these things called uh, ar- arbors? arbors, I think. I can't remember the name, but um, these like really thin branches and like, you can't get through them. Like one guy uh-huh. literally got hung up on them, uh, like on a course screaming for help. Like it was just, the trees are dangerous in Gage Town. <laughs> so, like, oh my gosh. They're hilarious. You like, you walk through them and you're walking, like you're falling down, like just mini cliffs and stuff. And you get to these swamps. Gage Town also has tons of swamps. And we're like, uh, Sergeant, there's a, like a swamp here. Like, how do we get around the swamp? And he's like, you're not going around it. Like, do you see a way around the swamp? Like, you're walking through the swamp. We're like, okay. And we're like looking at our map, like, okay, here we go. Here we go. And you're, and you're up to here in swamp. And you're like, I'm just going to keep walking. Cause you don't know what's in there. You don't want to think about what's in there. Oh. So you just keep walking. <laughs> and, wow. um, yeah, that was, that was nav. So we did a day nav and then we did night nav. So you do all that again, but in the dark and you're not allowed at any light because it's tactical. So you don't want the enemy to see you. So now you're walking into pitch black in the forest in Gage Town. Every footstep is like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea where I'm about to step, but it's crazy how your mind gets used to it. Like you start to, you hear sounds in the bushes beside you and you're like, could be another candidate, could be a bear. There was tons of bears. You're like, oh, well, I don't care. I'm just going to wow. keep walking because whatever. <laughs> like, and, uh, and then when you find a point though, you find a point, they're about a kilometer away. You find your point and you're like, I can't believe I did this. Like, <laughs> how did I find this point in the pitch black where I can't mm-hmm. even see my foot, where there's swamps and bears and brush and trees and rocks and cliffs. And like, somehow I managed to find this point. So it was <laughs> insanely rewarding. Um, but yeah, it was like, you do your daytime one and then you do nighttime and then you do practice. So you do practice day map, practice, practice night map. And then you do your evaluation day, evaluation night. And then same thing for the dagger. So you're on your feet nonstop all day. Like you're talking about doing stuff tired. Like, oh my God, my, my night nav lasted from 8 PM till 4 30 AM. And I actually didn't find one of my points. So, uh, Reveille was like 4.45. So I just, you had to be back by 4.30 or else they like come searching for you. So yeah, I got back at 4.30 and yeah, just had to keep going. I did not sleep. I did not sleep. Wow. <laughs> like, this was, this is what you do. And, and yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. So, uh, and then, yeah, there was, oh my God, the rain, there was so much rain and oh, it was just a nightmare. Like you're just, you're wet, you're cold you're hungry, you're tired. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the whole, that's the whole time in the field. So that was nav. Uh, and then we did some more weapons training and we did a lot more, um, they call it battle school. So that's how you learn, you learn infantry then. And you go into like real sort of infantry stuff. That's very similar to PLQ, RSCC. And that's uh, learning how to do section attacks, uh, defensive operations, stability operations. And, um, the bigger one was the reconnaissance patrols, the recce's. Oh, so cool. 
Yeah, they were really cool. And that was one of our, when we went back in the field, we did some practice stuff. We did practice section text, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Came out of the field, got our COVID shots. So even though we had two days off, we were like just laid up in bed with COVID vaccine hangover <laughs> and then right back into the field, um, exhausted. And we were doing evaluations on that. And for our recce patrols, they take, they take eight hours or you get eight hours. And what you do is you're leading a group of four to so you, there's like a point that you have to go to. And there's something at the point, like there's either a house or a road or a truck or whatever, and you got to go do reconnaissance on it. So you have to have like a, a drop-off point that's like a kilometer away so that you know, they don't know you're coming. So you coordinate the transportation to that drop-off point. You have to plot your, this is why we did NAV, is you plot your point from where your drop-off is to where you're going in the woods. And you like cut across, you lead this group. So that's all the leadership stuff. You lead four people through the woods. And then you're like, okay, this is where our point is. And you do all sort of like the hand signals and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then you sort of like do this cloverleaf pattern around it. And you've got everybody like watching and sketching and doing security on it and everything. You're there for about an hour. And then you have to take a different route out because you can't go back the way you came. And you get another pickup on that road or wherever you got dropped off. You get like a pickup point and then you go back. And that, all of that, um, so from when you get your orders to writing your orders as the patrol commander, to running the patrol, coming back, doing your debrief, all of that kind of stuff, eight hours, uh, which goes by so fast. Um, and then you, like your section members too, like they're not resting during this time. They're building a map model for you. Cause as soon as you have your orders, you're like, okay, like this is what we're going to be doing. Uh, here are the coordinates. So, you know, your, your buddies are all looking at their maps and they're drawing out the, the train so that like when you're finished writing your orders, you can come over and explain, here's where we're going to go. Here's what we're going to do. So even if you're not on, you're, you're, you're still on, like you're still doing something. Right. And we had five of us that were doing these in our little group. So these were eight hours back to back. So the wow. minute someone finished, they're like, you you're going to orders. So we had 40 hours straight of these patrols. So when you're talking about doing stuff tired, think about doing orders, running that coordinates, leading navigation, all of that. And like, yeah, it's, it's, and it's day and night. So mine was from 8 PM until uh, that was another one that was 8 PM to 4. (laughs) So yeah. Just want everyone to take that in right now. You know, you're in the train is awful or challenging let's say it's wet you don't know what you're mm-hmm. stepping on at times you have to do this day or night you're probably carrying some stuff like you know you have your yep. rifle you probably have like a day pack on I'm imagining or something yeah and you got your right. tack vest you also have your flak vest on so you're oh, yeah, probably about I think we calculated too. yeah it was about 40 pounds a year at any given time you have on <laughs> wow okay so you're carrying at least 40 pounds and you're walking day and night nonstop for 40 hours and using your brain even when you're not the one giving the orders your map you're writing down your map you're making sure you know you're doing all your side jobs to make the leader's job easier at that time and making sure your mission's accomplished like that's a lot of work you know exactly yeah now going back to your civilian role where you're working you work nights right so you're working what like 9 p.m., 6 p.m. When do you start? Yeah, I, I work um usually like 8 a.m. to 5:30. Or sorry, 8 p.m. to 5:30 a.m. p.m. to 5:30. So coming yeah. back from your training when you're doing 40 hours straight to your civilian job, does that make you kind of say like, oh, I got this? Like nights are nothing now, type of thing. 
for sure. I mean, like it's, it's a little different cause it's still like my civilian job. It'll be like seven days straight of that. It has a different effect oh. on you, but for sure, I would say there's a lot, like I said, like my brain expanded as to what I can do. So it's like, cause I like, especially nowadays, I think people get like, this is me. Like I'm talking from a personal standpoint, but like, I would get really caught up on like, if I'm doing exercise, I'm like, okay, I need to find like the best plan or I need to, you know, like if I'm running, I'm like, well, I need to be at this pace and then that pace and then this pace and that pace. And that's optimal. Everything is about being optimal. And like your nutrition is optimal. Your sleep is optimal. Everything is about what's the best I can, I can do. And it almost feels like if I don't do that, all my body is being damaged or something. But Mm -hmm. like after going on this course, like I moved nonstop for like 10 days and like you are doing sprints, like you're sprinting with a pack on because like you're, oh my God, that was the other thing. Like in the middle of the night, they would, they would bump during battle school. It's called bumping. So they would just have, they, they literally have a group of privates that they hire for the summer to attack the officers. And oh like that is their job. It would awesome. be great if you're a private. Yeah. If you're a private and you have nothing to do for a summer, go do that. Cause it's probably like the funnest job ever. Uh, they get to play the enemy force. Um, so the enemy force every night. So even when you think you're going to get sleep, you're not going to get sleep because they're going to bump you. So like you're, you're always running. You're always packing stuff. You're always throwing things on, you're carrying jerry cans. They're like, Hoffman, grab this, Hoffman, grab that. So like at any point you're doing weight training, strength, endurance, whatever. And you're barely eating. Like even in the field, like you're eating rations, but then you're like, you're almost too busy to eat sometimes. So you're popping like gummy worms and things like that. And you're always dehydrated because you never think you're thirsty, but you have no idea how much like just sweat's coming off you and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, like I managed to carry all this stuff, do all this stuff mentally on probably about six hours of sleep over the co- course of like 10 days. Um, like, terrible nutrition. Like again, like they give you the calories and everything that you need technically, but like you're just, you're not eating it. You don't always have time to eat it all. Or you're not feeling hungry. Like your body's just not in that place. Um, mm-hmm. or you're eating like just pure sugar. Um, you're yeah, not, not enough water, not enough sleep, whatever your body's just exhausted, but you can push through it. And I'm like, Oh my God, here I am freaking out that I'm like running at, you know, 6.4 miles an hour on the treadmill instead of 6.8. Oh my gosh. What kind of effect will this have on my body? Like, <laughs> so now I'm like, I can do anything. Like I can, I can go a night without sleep. No problem. I know I can, I can still function. I know like you're mm-hmm. not going to die. Like there's so many things where like, you're just, you're not going to die. I didn't wash my hands for 10 days and still ate food. I, I eat food off the ground now. I don't care. Like, it's right. like, cause you're just, you have carbon and dirt and who knows on your hands. You're like, I'm starving. I don't care what's on my hands. Like, yeah, yeah. No, like you're not going to stop put hand sanitizer on when you're in the field and kind of like make sure everything's nice and then eat your little exactly. meal. You've got to like no, park you- it down and go. <laughs> and go. Exactly. Like there's just so much that like I've been cold, but like, I'm like, I've been as cold as I was in the field. I'm wet. I'm having <laughs> that wet. Like, it's just all these things. Like it just doesn't, everything is in perspective. It's actually, uh, I don't know if this is going to be a further question, but it's actually inspired me this year to run an ultra marathon. And yeah, it's a 50 K by my mom. Yeah. So it's, it's a bit longer than a marathon, but, uh, it's, it's a like super technical field one that's up in Halliburton. And for me, it's like, it's not that like, I'm like, well, I got this or kind of thing, but I'm like, even if I can't run it, I know I can finish it because 
I probably walked 50 cages in the woods alone in Gagetown on like no food or sleep. So like, I'm like, I, I know I can persevere. Like it builds up your perseverance and also your camaraderie. Like the, the stories that came out of that course, like we just, I was, I lucked out. I had an amazing course. I had amazing course mates. We just mm-hmm. gelled. Um, it was just amazing. Like I was so happy to be there with them because you're all going through it. You're all freezing together. You're all doing it together. And, um, and like, just, it's such a good time. Like it's horrible at the time, yeah. but when you look back on it, you're like, I've done something really hard. And I think that's one of the things that people need to do more of nowadays. It's very easy to make things easy. And yeah, it's very easy. Yeah. Even turn like, off your lights. You know, like some people have their lights hooked up to their phones. So they don't have to get up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we're trying to be the, ultra comfortable, but that's not necessarily where the growth is. Right. So exactly. Like growth is in the hard times for sure. And, and that's like, I always just kind of say like the harder it is, the bigger the reward. And like, if you're not feeling that fulfillment or that happiness or that, like, or like, oh, I'm missing something, go do something hard. Mm-hmm. Cause I guarantee you when you finish that and you accomplish something, you're like, wow. Like, like, I think probably one of the proudest moments in my life, and I've done some pretty cool things in my life, but I think one of the proudest moments was looking at my watch. I had to be back at my, um, like my pickup point. So I had, we had an MSVS, which is like a big military truck that was coming to pick us up that I had scheduled. Cause this, these were my orders during the reconnaissance patrol. So I had to get everything down and, you know, you give your orders to the driver and you're like, God, I hope this works kind of thing. And I ran my whole recce. I got to my point. We did our sketches. I did everything right. Like I did all my commands right. And I remember like going through the woods on the way back. And I was like, oh my God, I think I'm going to be lost. And like everyone gets lost. You're always lost in the woods engaged on. It's like, it's like yeah. a joke, like that, like officers are always lost. We are, we are always lost. But like, I was so lost engaged. And I'm just like, oh my God, there's no way that I'm going to make this timing. Like I have no idea where I am. But I kind of like kept my cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, the moon is over here. Like I was just doing something. I was like trying to like, I'm like, the moon is here. And therefore I'm going this way. Like, I don't know. I just kind of went with my guy. I, I, I had a feeling I was going the right direction. <laughs> and I ended up emerging from the woods in like the exact point I went in. Wow. I don't know how I did it, but like I came out there. And um, I think at that point, like we were far enough away that our, thank you. Our, <laughs> our section commander was like, all right, Hoffman. Like, yeah, you guys can walk along like to our pickup point. There was like a, 500 meter walk and he's like mm-hmm. you guys can walk along the road the rest of the way back to your pickup point that's fine because we were like kind of walking through the bushes and he's and he's on the road watching us and he's like okay like your your mission's complete you did a good job go back to your pickup point so I'm right. leading them and everyone's walking behind me and we're all in single file and I look at my watch and it's like like 302 or something and my pickup was 315 and I'm just like oh man like I'm gonna make this and like the moon was coming awesome. down on this like dirt road and I was like, just beaming. I'm like, I can't believe I did that. Like, I can't believe I just did a recce. Like, and, I, and we made it. Like, that's yeah, the that's, amount of moving parts. So like- The amount of like effort, moving parts, the skills, yeah. all the things mm-hmm. that go into that. I, I don't know if you can really experience that without doing that. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard no. to imagine exactly what that feels like until you are sleep deprived, cold, yeah. hungry, tired. And yeah. still <laughs> you know what I mean so yeah I can only the growth that came out of that like you said you're running an ultra marathon now that's crazy that's so cool you're gonna be yeah. the next you're gonna be the female David Doggins you know who that is uh I'm gonna go that you're gonna have to look him up and read his book before you do your ultra marathon 
yeah anyway navy seal guy he does ultra marathons now so very yeah I, i've seen him <laughs> definitely heard of him yeah no i i i think it's just yeah it's such a cool thing and especially like we just learned that stuff the week before so like yeah. again like with that expansion like of, of my mind it was sort of like there's so many limits that I would place on myself. I'm like, no, I need like a year to learn this kind of thing. Like I need, I need preparation. I need, like, I'm always a little bit of a control freak. So for them to just be like, you're going to learn it today and you're going to do it tomorrow and you're going to be evaluated the next day. And you're like, I can't do that, but you can. I can. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, very, very amazing. That was an awesome training experience. So that was, that was my most recent one. Um, and then, yeah, I came back at the end of July. So it was like a pretty long course. Right. came back at the end of July and, uh, I'm just waiting now for my logistics course. They like, like everywhere we are having some staffing issues. So I know that they've only run one logistics course in the last year. Um, right. so it's really tough to get on it and hopefully there's two coming up soon. So hopefully this year I can go on that. That'll be in Borden. Uh, but yeah, as far as my trade is concerned, that's sort of like, like BMACA was sort of the big the big physically tough course. Um, and then everything else is a little bit more trade specific, more, more specialized, still, still difficult, but just in a different way. And, uh, yeah, so I'm just kind of waiting out on that and doing what and I can with my unit. As a woman in the army, yeah. are yeah. there any kind of like challenges or like different experiences that you feel like you've had in the military based on your own preference, like, or sorry, your own experience? I've been really lucky with everyone I've served with. Um, I think just mostly it's been that kind of like surprise that like, I'm lucky I'm six feet tall. Um, and I have like a pretty strong fitness background. So, um, for me, like I've been able to keep up and I think that's been been good. Like, I think, I want to say people didn't expect it, but I think when they see you, it's sort of like that, like, nice, like good job, like Hoffman crushing it girl. And I'm like, Oh, thank you. So like, that's kind of, been good but like yeah no I I haven't really had like a a negative experience with with the group or anyone or like not that I've heard the women out there looking to join the military don't just think because you're a woman that people are gonna you know treat you differently if you're trying your hardest I think for sure it's like you said it's the effort you put in um and I think you would run into trouble if you were saying oh I'm a female I don't know how to do this somebody help me or like (laughs) if they're if you're trying to play up something and use it to benefit you, but that kind of thing. But that's true of like any, anyone who can use anything to their advantage. Um, but if you just say, no, I'm here, I'm part of the team, like we're all in this together. Yeah. yeah. And you put out your own personal best that that's always respected. And I, that's really all they look for, um, in the military that I've seen is just people who they like, they want to trust you. They want to work with you. And mm-hmm. if you're a good teammate, then that's really what they want you're moving into your well you're starting to look for your next course now but in the meantime you're working with your unit so can you just yeah. let us know kind of like the time commitment or what you do uh for the army while you're doing your civilian job still sure yeah it's definitely um i i think it's something people need to consider depending on what route they take definitely if you're an officer you're not doing like one weekend a month one day a week whatever i don't know what they're like selling nowadays for like yeah. <laughs> what the time commitment is Uh, it's still a lot. There's still, oh, I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to let my dog out. Oh Oh, my gosh. Do your thing. Cody, (laughs) what are you doing? You're being difficult. (laughs) (laughs) He just wants your attention. 
look, we're in an interview. We're doing an interview, bud. (laughs) He's a cutie. He's a pain in the butt sometimes, but he's a cutie. (laughs) Yeah, I'm doing like, uh, sorry if I'm just hanging out with the dog here. um, Yeah, I do. We're we're usually Thursday nights. There's our parade nights. Then we have admin nights on Tuesday nights. And then usually about once every six weeks, we have a field exercise. So the commitment for that, um, like everything is, is optional, but of course it, it depends on how far you want to go and what you want to make your military career. Cause the military, especially as a reserve, a reservist really is what you make of it. So, um, if you're at a point in your life where maybe you don't have a lot of time, like you can still be in the reserves, but you're just, if you're not participating in a lot of things, not as much might be offered to you. You might lose out on possible qualifications you can get. So I work seven days on seven days off at my civilian job. So my seven days off, I can do a lot more with the military, but they're very understanding that on the seven on, depending on what shift I'm on, I may not be able to make it from work or sorry, you make it from my city work to my military job. Um, we, you know, we're doing a little bit more online now because of COVID. So that has really helped. Um, but yeah, I would say, depending on what you're doing in your unit, for me, I've been doing just because I don't have a lot of trade qualifications yet. I was working with the infantry rifle companies as uh, operations officers. So that was a lot of, that was a ton of work. Like, and I, and I wanted that work at the time, but like I was putting all of our members on taskings and courses and things like that. And you're just, there's a lot of back and forth. Right. Yeah. That's so a big job. Um, yeah. Very big job. And, uh, but it was good because I got to kind of learn everybody's names and what their interests yeah. are and what, like, just kind of, you know, show that like, Hey, like I'm looking out for you guys. I want, I want you guys to make these taskings, like, get me your name, give me your info, give me all this kind of stuff. So for me, it was a lot of just every day I was like basically checking my phone and just seeing like, okay, what's, what's come up, who needs to go where. Um, but now that I'm, I've switched, I'm now a company to IC. So I'm a second in command of a company and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's our, uh, our headquarters company. It's more like sort of admin, but, uh, I do, I work with pay. I'm in processing all the recruits now. Um, gosh, there's a lot, a lot of like things that the two IC does that I'm forgetting, but, um, <laughs> I can still kind of tailor it to like what my schedule is at work. So that's, I, I'd say probably put in about two nights a week for sure. And then uh, when you can make the exercises, then I, I got to actually, it was really awesome. Part of BMACA is learning how to run a range. That's the last week of your course or second last week of the course is running ranges. So you shoot, but then you're also writing your range orders so you can give the orders on a range. And you're also qualified to be the person standing behind and being like, you know, fix your site or do this like a little more left, a little more right. So that was so cool. Cause I remember shooting on BMQ and being like, these guys are so cool. And now like, I, I get to do it. So I got to, now I'm that person, which is really cool. So yeah, I, I got to do some range weekends, which was really fun. But like, as like someone running it and getting to yell out the commands, you know, like, and that that's really fun, but it just depends on your schedule. But like, yeah, if, if you attend more stuff, you're going to get more opportunities if there's more sort of um as they say gucci taskings (laughs) they uh like we we sometimes get i mean all a lot of this is on hold because of covid but our unit got to go to england one year uh, and march in a big parade and like through downtown london so you know the more that 
that you attend things and the more involved you get with the unit, the more they want you to represent the unit in these things or, you know, like go to the Jays games for their Canadian Forces Appreciation Night, things like that. Like the more cool. sort of, yeah. So um, yeah, it's really what you make of it, but that's what I'm doing right now. And hopefully when I'm trade qualified too, I'll be able to be a little bit more involved specifically with what I'm training. But um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> That's awesome. Like you've given us so much information. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Wow. No, it's good because you know, there's not a lot, there's not a lot, a huge amount of current calf information online. Like if you look at the American no. military, you can find 50 million YouTubers. You know what I mean? Who are mm-hmm. talking to mm-hmm. soldiers, bringing the cameras into the armories and stuff like that and showing yeah. you everything in Canada. It's not so much like that. And I think that these opportunities make you seem like a real human you know, not just like a soldier and can bring more appreciation things. So I just want to wrap up with maybe one more question and see if there's anything that, um, first, is there anything that else that you want to say about the Canadian forces? And, um, I mean, I don't know. I think I've covered a lot, covered a lot of the training. Um, I just, yeah, like it's, it's been, for me, it's been like an awesome experience. I've made some amazing friendships, um, like relationships that have come out of it, which has just been so rewarding. Um, like I like have my roommate through the military, <laughs> like That's it's awesome. just the people, like you have people that you like kind of, um, connect to, right. Like they're, you've got, like I said, you always have like these common goals and there's, there's like a lot of these people are going to be like lifelong friendships and, um, that kind of thing. So for me, it's been great. And yeah, like I'm, I was on my own down in Toronto for a while. So it's this whole network and like, it's tough nowadays to build friendships that are not online. And again, COVID makes it kind of tougher, but like, I know our unit, the minute we got back to parading, people were so excited because they're like, yes, like, this is what we love to do. We love seeing each other. We love working together. Like you get so much out of that. And, um, yeah, I've, I've loved it for that. And like, I don't know. I, I know that the forces has had a bit of a bad rap lately, but, um, I can definitely say that, especially like on the ground level, people are trying to change that people are, um, really, really work about working with the team and, and doing, doing the right things and trying to make the institution better. And, you know, change takes time and that's sure. true everywhere. And, um, but I think there's a lot of people out there that are, are really about, making the CAF a great place to work. And I know I've met some amazing leaders so far in my career, and I hope to be an amazing leader to other people as well, eventually. Um, I don't know, it's it's just been a great opportunity. And like I said, um, any age, I think I really, even Mm -hmm. though I had served before and I was really up to date on on the CAF as as far as I knew, I still thought I was gonna be like the old one or I'm not gonna fit in or, cause when I went in the first time I, I was young, and I remember looking up to so many people who were maybe like 21, 22, <laughs> like right. they seem so old to me. And like, that was sort of the age group. So I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, coming back into something when you're 30, like at 17, it was amazing. But at 30, is it going to be the same? Is it going to be good? Um, right. It's maybe not the same. Uh, like you look at things differently, but you also have this really different perspective. And uh, I've been really grateful to, to serve with people that are still older than me, younger than me. Um, there's like some amazing people, like, like you're a perfect example, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, you. like super motivated, like young people out there too, that, um, that want to make it better as well. And like, I've loved that. It's been very enriching. So yeah, I wouldn't, I would tell people as well, if you're like, 
whether you're female or you're older or whatever, like don't shy away from it because you're represented. And if you're not even in a, in a unit, like I'm the only female officer in my unit, but like, Hey, like I stand proud, like, yeah, I'll run with you guys. No worries. Like I got this. And yeah, I think if you go in with that attitude, like you're, you're going to have a great time for sure. For sure. And, um, if I'm, if I'm looking to get involved with the military in some capacity, like many of the people watching this probably are, what would you say that you have any advice, maybe like a first step? Um, is there anything they should know before or is it more of a just do it type of thing? Uh, definitely just do it. I would say have patience. Uh, cause like I applied before COVID and it still right. takes a while to go through the paperwork. So uh, like if you haven't heard back or whatever, just, just be patient. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. Uh, you can, if you're interested in the infantry, Lauren Scott's is hiring. <laughs> so, there we go. Um, we are, I'm going to like shout out my unit right now, but we're in Brampton, Oakville and Georgetown. Uh, so we cover like a big area because we have three, three armories, uh, in the GTA. So basically if you're West GTA and you're in like Oakville, Burlington, Milton, Acton, Georgetown, Brampton, all those areas, uh, we, we, we cover it. Uh, there's like, I think 300 of us across that that region we have a lot of activities and stuff so it's great so you can always go on if you're interested in a specific unit uh usually the unit i find is the best way to go because you kind of have like a contact there you start to get to know the unit you might um i mean right now probably won't do tours but like eventually you could kind of go in and meet people and, and um so when i applied the second time around i went through the unit directly and yeah just have patience and uh I guess, yeah, do what you can to research what you're interested in. Uh, I think a big mistake people make when they get in is they think, oh, I'll join as this, but I'll, sorry, I'll join as this, but I'll just change my trade to this. And it's not that easy. It's pretty tough to change your trade. So uh, the military usually wants you to finish your trade training before you even apply on a different trade. So if you really don't think the infantry is for you, but there's only an infantry unit around you, I would probably either look for other jobs within that unit because there are um like finance or uh like hr kind of stuff or uh maybe just look at a unit that's a little further out but might be a, a better fit for you because yeah like i think that's just something i've seen both on the officer and the ncm side is like oh yeah i just wanted to get in and this unit was here and i joined as an infantier but i had no idea this involved like sleeping in the woods for three weeks and it's like well you're kind of stuck doing it and it's like and some right. people might embrace it, but a lot of people are just like, I want out. And it, it just makes it tougher. And it, it, it makes your experience less enjoyable because you're kind of stoked to go in and then you're like, oh, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this thing. And then you're trying to change it and that's taking a while. And then you're not where you want to be. So I would definitely put the time in, do the research for the unit you want to join, uh, the trade you want to do, and then just have patience and yeah, keep, keep, um, keep physically fit. And like you said, like you're reading like David Goggins or like any of those kind of books that like mentally prepare you for, for tough situations. Like, of course, everything in the military is scaled. So BMQ is not the same as BMACA. Like the level of stress you're going to be under for your BMQ is not going to be crazy, but, um, but for some people, like it's their first really stressful event that they go through. So you, you have to, kind of be prepared to, to go through that. So anything you can do in the meantime, for me, like I am a huge fan of Jocko, um, Jocko Willing. He's also Navy SEAL, <laughs> but uh, he, 
he has a great, great podcast. And I remember when I was having a hard time. Yeah. I, I love his podcast. So, uh, whenever I just needed to feel a little inspired or remember why I'm doing what I'm doing, um, just listening to people like that or just reading is great. It's a great way to pass the time while you're waiting for the admin to catch up. So, yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Like I think having those external outlets that you can kind of dip into when you need a little extra push is okay. Like it's hard to maintain the same sure. level of motivation and drive for such a long period of time doing such a strenuous task, right? So having for those sure. like pick me ups, that's okay. It doesn't make you weak or anything. Like I feel like some people no. are hesitant, but it's a community. It's the military community. Whether you know you're an American soldier or a Canadian soldier, you can relate. And I think that's what yeah. helps people kind of push through at the end of the day. So. I remember um, when I first joined, this was like, yeah, 2007, but I was like obsessed from when I was 13. So the early years of the internet, I think it might've still be even on dial up, but there were these like websites that like detailed, it was military.com, but it was like a writer who would do, it was like 13, 14 pages of each basic training in the military in the US. Cause of course nothing was on Canada. So like I couldn't prepare for Canada, but I'm like, there might be some transferable. And I would rush home from school and like read and be like, I want to read more about like Navy basic training. And it was just so exciting because they would go like week by week and all these things to expect. And I would like mentally put myself in those positions. And I mean, a lot of it is not similar at all. And a lot of the things that you envision how it's going to be aren't exactly like that. But, um, but yeah, I would say like the, the big things for, I'm trying to think of like, what would be like some good advice, but I would just say, just be, be prepared to be organized, get yourself as fit as you can be mentally, physically, emotionally. All right. Check out our units page. Um, if you're interested in Lauren Scott's, cause a lot of the, the units now, like you were talking about with the, um, like the social media and stuff, like there, you're right. Like there's not a lot of like the official calf pages and things like that. But there are, in terms of the units, like the units are starting to get people now that are, are kind of driving these things and, and they have good photo ops and they try to do like little interviews and, and things like that. So um, we have a corporal in our unit who's an amazing guy and he's been doing a lot of our media and he puts out like great little, little videos, little sort of introductions to things and stuff like that so if you follow lauren scott on instagram or facebook they've got um some good resources there and i'm sure other units in, in toronto do as well or beyond honestly like lots of places do so um and even if your unit that you're interested in doesn't like your local one just still check out the other units because a lot of that is going to be transferable like what their dp ones look like are probably pretty similar to what your dp one is going to look like so right. yeah that's awesome okay so guys yeah. check out the units we're going to say bye to two of the often right now but thank you so much for your time. And I'm sure we got a lot of value out of this. So have a great rest of your day.